We're going to be exploring the four yogas, and the first one we're going to be looking at of the four, which are karma, bhakti, dhyana, and raja yoga, is going to be karma yoga. And when I look at the yogas, I sometimes think about our brain, and I think about the three layers of the brain. The brain stem, which is our reptilian brain, uh, something like 500-year-old evolution, our midbrain or our uh, mammalian brain, the limbic brain, and then the cerebral cortex. And those three layers of the brain remind me of karma, bhakti, and jnana. And just as you don't want any one part of your brain, you can't really do without them, I think all those three yogas have to be synthesized. And in that synthesis, you have raja yoga. So to start, let's consider karma yoga, the yoga of action. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Sadaka, a collection of special podcast mini-trainings from Embodied Philosophy and the Embodied Podcasts Network. Each multi-part series of Sadaka explores a different area of Dharma and contemplative studies. Sadaka features episodes on topics from Buddhism to Hinduism, from yoga to the divine feminine. Taught by faculty and friends of Embodied Philosophy, each series is a short audio course on the topic it explores. To watch the video version of these episodes, become a digital member for access to EPTV, Embodied Philosophy's streaming video service. To start your 14-day free trial, head to embodiedphilosophy.com forward slash EPTV. One of the ways that I want to think about these yogas again is to consider the Wizard of Oz. So there were, you know, we had Dorothy and Dorothy wanted to make her way home. And she had the assistance of the three yogas, the yoga of action, the karma yogi, who is the cowardly lion, the scarecrow, the bhakti yogi, and the jnana yogi, who is the tin man. And she needed all three. So karma yoga is, we, as we say, the yoga of action. Karma means action. When we do yoga, we have to yoke our actions to our progress and to our goal. So all of the uh, things that we do are perfectly accessible to the approach of yoking to the goal by doing karma yoga. So one of the things that you're going to find is that the Bhagavad Gita outlines the three yogas very well, and especially karma yoga. As you know, Arjuna is in the battlefield, and he really doesn't want to be there. And he's being asked to stay and to perform actions, but he's going to be in the battlefield fighting a war in such a way that it liberates him spiritually instead of causes more karma. And that is the purpose of karma yoga, to do things in such a way that to become free of karmas or the even the, the results of actions, okay? And so as, as Krishna says to Arjuna, there is no one who can remain without action even for a moment. Indeed, all beings are compelled to act by their qualities born of the gunas or the material nature. When Arjuna thinks that he's going to not incur any kind of results if he doesn't do anything, uh, Krishna disabuses him of that idea. You're always going to be performing actions just by being, in fact, just by breathing. So how are you going to orient yourself to action in such a way as to make it freeing rather than binding? 
what Krishna suggests to Arjuna is all at, therefore at all times, remember me only and fight with mind and intellect absorbed in me. You shall doubtless come to me alone. Uh, and then here's the thing that uh, Krishna says that we, we want to really take home. It's not something to consider that's in the Bhagavad Gita and it has to do with medieval India or even longer ago. This is for now. You have a right to perform your prescribed duty, but you are not entitled to the results of action. Never consider yourself the cause of the results of your activities. And never be attached to not doing your duty. Be steadfast in yoga, O Arjuna. Perform your duty and abandon all attachment to success or failure. Such evenness of mind is called yoga. And that's one of the beautiful definitions of yoga. Samatvam yoga uchate, evenness of mind. And I have an example of that kind of free action, the freeing of uh, one's performance in, and, and how when you do karma yoga, it actually perfects your action. And this is the story of Sarah Hughes, who's a figure skater. And she actually won a gold medal back in the uh, 2000s, 2002. So how, this is how she won the gold medal. And what I am saying is that this is an illustration of karma yoga. What had happened was she was 16 years old and she saw that unless she skated a perfect program, and got perfect scores, she wasn't going to win the gold medal. This was when she was about to go on to perform. So what she said was, I skated for pure enjoyment, and that's how I wanted my Olympic moment to be. She let go of the idea that she had to win. And because she did that, her action was free of tension. And it was nothing but the pure joy of, of movement. And joy is love. So when you're doing something with pure joy then you know that you're in the, in the uh, way of karma yoga. So sure enough, when she had finished her program, she got perfect scores from all the judges. And that was karma yoga. She gave up the idea of what the results had to be and just did it, did it for love. So that's going to free you when you go out today and you, uh, you have to do your job. Okay, don't think that you're serving your boss, serve Krishna, serve the higher power. And when you do that, you take away all the tension from the um, hierarchy that you may have in your in your work. And you're doing it for love. And it's an offering. And it really, really frees the action. I have another story my guru used to tell, Swami Muktananda, and this is a good story of what we're going to do to become karma yogis. Okay, so in this story, a man has a racehorse, and the racehorse is winning, and it's really fantastic, and it takes great care of this horse, and then the horse starts losing, and the man's livelihood is going away, and he's terrified, and he's up at night. What's going to happen is, is uh, you know, the horse going to win tomorrow, or is he going to lose? The guy's just wrought with anxiety, until finally he sells the horse. He sells the horse to a, a wealthy man, but the wealthy man says, uh, you know what, please take care of this horse for me. Board it, 
do whatever you've always been doing, but it's just that I own the horse and whether the horse wins or loses is my problem. Okay, so the man sleeps really well at night. Nothing's changed. He's still doing the same actions. And yet the uh, the fear, the anxiety, the, the worry has certainly dissipated. So in the same way, when you start to offer your action, when you just get up, it's not a big deal. You can um, offer when you get up in the morning to go <laughs> to, to turn on the water for the coffee. Offer it. Um, and how do I offer an action like that? I, I use a little gratitude. Okay. So gratitude is a, is a lubricant for your offering. And so then you got to go out to the, the subway, right? And, you know, if you're thinking, poor me, this is terrible. I got to do this every day. It's winter. You know, those thoughts come up. And if I instead say, Dear universe, I am going to offer you my action. And the Bhagavad Gita shows that you don't have to be doing something that is especially, um, you know, uh, full of, uh, you know, benevolence to the world. You can just be doing your duty. The ticket taker at the train is doing his duty. The, the people who are directing traffic, who are maintaining uh, the, the sidewalk cleanliness, all of this is duty. And just doing your duty is a, an offering to the universal uh, harmony, you know? So believe me, there's no action you can take which does not uh, give you an opportunity to offer it as a love offering to the divine or to the universe. How Krishna explains all that is by saying karma yogis who neither desire nor hate anything, should be considered always renounced. Free from all dualities, they are easily liberated from the bonds of karma. So this is how we're going to move forward. Now, each of the yogi yogas that we're going to d explore has a, a method uh, which includes breath awareness, okay, that can be used to... Uh, develop that type of yoga. So we're going to do a breath awareness simply in a moment, which involves uh, the offering of the gesture of breathing, okay, as an action. Um, so he, this comes from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 29. And, and Krishna says to Arjuna, some offer as sacrifice the outgoing breath into the incoming breath and offer the incoming breath into the outgoing breath. And that's all he says about that. But let's go ahead and provide a foundation for the idea of offering our actions. Remember, you're going to do the actions anyway, but you all you need to do is orient yourself to the action in a way that's going to free you of tension uh, and of karma. Okay, so we're going to start with our breathing. And for a few moments, we're going to learn to offer the inhalation to the exhalation and the exhalation to the inhalation. Okay, so take a, a meditative posture, reach with the top of the back of your head, creating um, a free airway for yourself because you're going to do some offering and simply take a deep inhalation and a full exhalation. And now we're going to orient ourselves to the next in breath as a gift, okay? But how could it be a gift? I'm taking something. Well, sometimes it's a gift to receive. So receive fully. 
Your full receiving is your offering. So we're going to fully receive the gift of life and awareness that comes with the prana. Let's do it. Inhale. And then give back. Perfect. And as you inhale next time, you can imagine that you're taking in universal mind, which comes in the prana, which is pervading the prana. Take in universal mind. And exhale your personal offering, your personal contribution to the world mind. Good. Again, inspire yourself within breath. offering your receptivity, and then give back your contribution. Good. And again, you inhale. And you give back. And when you release on the exhalation, you're giving back awareness, awakened awareness to the mind of the world, which could use it. The gift of awareness comes in and you give it back. Good. And so we gently open our eyes, put the palms together, let the fingers touch the third eye. For every action you do, make it a gift to the universe. Able to simply step into total quiescence with one-pointed focused concentration with even a week's worth of meditation. It takes time. They call it Buddhist practice for a reason. <laughs> so um, just practice on a regular basis. Don't have any particular goal except that you're learning how to focus on your breath and you're developing one-pointed focus. Okay, so that's our mini program on Buddhist meditation for today. I look forward to working with you again in our next program, which will be on Vipassana meditation.